Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from bed rest. Um, and a lot of you have been emailing and asking me why I'm on bed rest. Um, it's not something that I want to share with you right now. Um, not because I don't love you, because y'all know I do. Um, but it's it's something that happened, and there are various reasons why I don't want to and why I can't uh, talk about it. Um, you're more than free to to message me if you don't know, um, but just know that I may not uh, tell you. Thank you all for your concern. Um, this is why I tell um, you guys and everyone I ever talk to, you guys really are the best listeners in the world, and I really, really appreciate you. <clears throat> so that being said, Will and I decided that we wanted to wrap up our big premiere week um, with an episode looking back at the biggest stories um, of season three, and Will will be joining us um, at the end of the show, as always, um, for uh, his take on one of the biggest stories that's really starting to shape um, the presidential election and um, really just history all around. Uh, so stay tuned for Politalk with Will, um, and we're going to kick things off um, just, you guys... It, it's so amazing to me. When I was a kid, I loved gossip. I loved um, hearing it. I loved watching it. I loved reading it. And so for me to be able to break so many stories and have so many exclusives, it it boggles my mind, honestly. Um, you know, I never thought that a little gay boy from Detroit would come to this place where I would have this opportunity, um, and it's just, um, it's so amazing. So thank you guys for coming with me on this journey. Um, I know it's been filled with ups and downs and craziness, um, but you, you all have stuck with me, and that's amazing. And one of the exclusives um, that I've been talking about uh, for just about two years now, is Megan McCain and The View. Um, and I don't know if I've ever told this story on the show or not. I don't think I have. The first time I heard that Megan McCain was being fired was completely by accident. And I know people laugh at me when I say that, but I happened to be walking. I was going to writing group, and there were two people in front of me talking and I overheard their conversation, and one of them looked back and realized that I heard what they were saying. And she didn't have to come up and talk to me, but she did. Um, and that was the beginning of a very, very beautiful friendship. Um, and she has helped me break so many exclusives. So as we're talking about Megan McCain... I just want to go back and talk a little bit about what we learned about her in season three. She's feuded with every single uh, co-host. Um, more than once, honestly. <laughs> and The View has just been a hotbed of drama. Uh, so we're going to take this co-host by co-host. Um, and we're going to start with Joy Behar. Uh, Joy is my absolute favorite host um, of The View, uh, bar none. 
And last season was relatively quiet other than her feuding with uh, Megan McCain. Um, and my favorite line from Joy Behar was, long after you, you're gone, I'll still be here. They've tried to do the view without me, and the ratings tanked. Uh, this was after Megan McCain said that Joy was too old to be on TV and should retire gracefully. Um, uh, Megan also feuded with Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, and Whoopi is not one to fuck with, okay? Um, I know we say this a lot, but Whoopi Goldberg is a force unto herself. Uh, you know, Will will joke with me that I'm a force, but um, Whoopi is next level force. Um, so Whoopi went and told the producers that she would sign on for another year only if they got rid of Megan. And then, in a boss move that I think nearly everyone, unless you're conservative and just just a nasty, nasty person, in a move that can only be called a boss move, during an on-air fight about whether or not Whoopi was at an interview that Megan had done, um, which Megan said that Whoopi was not, Whoopi went and had producers produce vid- uh, video evidence that she was there. And Megan got suspended uh, for what was supposed to be the rest of the week, um, but ended up just being a couple days because they decided to end the season early. Uh, Megan and and Sonny Hostin didn't really feud so much. Um, They they fought and they they definitely crossed swords. But Sonny was in the news uh, when... Now fired producer, ABC News executive, rather, excuse me, Barbara Federa, uh, called her low rent and made, uh, made a slave reference to Robin Roberts. Uh, I've, sources told us at the time and still contend that Sonny Hassan was the one who turned uh, Barbara into HR and leaked the news. Uh, that has not been confirmed, but what was confirmed was our exclusive that Barbara had already been fired and would not be returning to her position at ABC News. Uh, just mere weeks after we we did the story, uh, it broke. Uh, it it broke nationally, including on the View where. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, I believe, actually, uh, actually um, revealed the news. Uh, something that Megan's been fighting with more and more uh, is Sarah Haynes. Now, during during her first year, Sarah and Megan maybe weren't friends, but they definitely didn't clash like they are now. Um, but we're going to get into their clashes later. Right now, I want to talk about Sarah Haynes. And in exclusives, I revealed that Sarah 
or I'm sorry, Strahan, Sarah, and Kiki had been canceled uh, back in April before any other national outlet was carrying the story. The, uh, the story actually broke when Kiki Palmer uh, made an Instagram about it back, I believe, in July. And I had a lot of naysayers telling me I was wrong, that it was, they were just on hiatus because of the coronavirus. And I stood firm and I didn't back down. I also revealed what was going to happen to each of the hosts. Uh, and so far, the only one that has not, uh, the only one that has not happened, uh, was Michael Strahan being fired, and, um, we should have some follow-ups about what's going on with that situation in a little bit. But, when it comes to Sarah Haynes, we revealed early on that she was coming back to The View as early as May, we started touting that she was in negotiations to return to The View. Uh, because First of all, she just truly loves it. Um, and secondly, ABC News execs love her. And they really wanted her to return uh, to the show. Uh, and again, at the end of August, the news leaked that she was going to be returning to the show. And now for the princess of nepotism herself, Meghan McCain. Uh, And you all remember that. Um, That is what producers call Meghan behind her back. Uh, Right or wrong, we're not going to argue about, but that is what they call her. Uh, She's been on the ropes all season. Uh, And it wasn't until she announced that she was pregnant that she actually felt secure in her position with The View. Not because she's actually secure, but because she knew that they wouldn't fire her while... They wouldn't fire a pregnant woman because of the optics of it all. ABC News execs and producers are already looking for her replacement. We told you weeks ago that she was going to work right up until her maternity leave... Um, or right up until she gave birth and went on maternity leave uh, because she's very scared about what's going to happen. And indeed, on the season premiere of The View, she said she was going to work and appear on The View right up until she gave birth. (sighs) Her concern right now is that they're going to replace her. Uh, we've we've heard big names tossed around um, as to the conservative woman who could be um, in contention to replace her. Uh, we've heard names like Megyn Kelly and um, at one point Janine Pirro was um, tossed out. Janine will not be because she's on the blacklist um, and likely will never appear on The View again. Um... But um, they are definitely going to be auditioning uh, co-hosts while Megan is away. And they likely will let her say that she wants to stay home and be a mom or she wants to pursue another avenue in her career. 
Um, we've also talked very much about how she wants... At one point, she had wanted to launch her own talk show and was told that she didn't have uh, the Q Factor in order to launch a nationally syndicated show. And then we learned that she wants to become a senator or get involved in politics. Which, y'all, I cannot wait for her because then she's, then she's Will's problem, not mine. <laughs> but until then, I will be covering her. Uh, and... I'm already working on stories about The View and her, um, including her newest feud with Sarah Haynes uh, for later on this week. And we're going to take a break, but we have many more stories to talk about. I'll be right back. And I'm back. And so we talked a lot about Kelly Ripa this past season, including doing an entire episode of a deep dive on her antics and her bad behavior with her co-hosts. And it it blew up. It, when I tell you that I'm always astonished at the numbers I get, this just blew my mind. Um, it was honestly... It's something I've been working on for so long. Um, but you never know what's going to pop and what's not going to. You know, I learned that in writing. I've learned that in doing the podcast. Uh, you know, just in in the entertainment field, you don't know um, what people are going to want to consume and what people are going to want to run away from. Um, and so the fact that the Kelly Ripa deep dive just popped like it did was... Um, mind-blowing to me and so exciting because I've worked so hard on it. So, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Kelly Ripa has major control issues. Um, And anyone who listens to the deep dive, I think, will definitely concur. (laughs) So, um... All right. Um, over the course of the last few years, um, Kelly has Kelly's power on live with Kelly and uh, whomever has grown. Um, when it was live with Regis and Kelly, Regis had most of the power uh, because he had been doing it for so long and was the beloved host. And Kelly was kind of his perky sidekick, um, who was along for the laughs. When Regis decided to leave, and Kelly came on, uh, or and Kelly took over as the senior host, things really um, turned. Uh, we all remember. She was very, very disappointed that her friend Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen um, were not given the opportunity to be her co-host. Instead, ABC Daytime went with Michael Strahan, uh, who had proven to be a very popular figure. And even on Live with Kelly and Michael... He proved himself to be very affable. Behind the scenes, Kelly was working to get him gone. She did not like him. And she was really upset that her viewpoint hadn't been taken into consideration. 
when when he was promoted or moved over to uh, Good Morning America, however you want to say that, she was doubly angry because no one had consulted her. Uh, And here's one area where I do agree with her. The daytime audience likes continuity. They like uh, knowing and seeing familiar faces day after day. Uh, And she felt that in order to uh, honor that, uh, she should have been told and they could have come up with a plan together. So, we all remember her her strike uh, when she refused to do any work um, and acted like she was David and ABC uh, slash Disney was Goliath and she slayed them. Uh, and when she did return to work, she improvised uh, without warning what she was going to be putting on air and called Disney executives liars. Which did not go over well for her. And uh, the executives started working on a plan to get rid of her. Unfortunately, uh, as I said at the beginning of this, she holds a lot of power over at the show. And part of the new contract that she signed in order to return to work gave her um, a co-host approval. So what they did, her goal was to get um, Andy Cohen or Anderson Cooper um, by her side every day. Uh, Anderson Cooper was never really in serious contention because of his duties over at CNN. Uh, He tried his own talk show um, and it failed and he did not want to revisit that period. But Andy Cohen was very interested. While he has Watch What Happens Lives and producing duties for the Real Housewives franchise, he figured it would be a lot of fun to sit next to his bestie Kelly Ripa every day and earn a couple mil. So they they had her write a list of co-hosts she would approve of uh, in order. And they ended up Um, getting American Idol and decided to try to get Ryan Seacrest in. And they did. She was not pleased with this choice and started working to sabotage him behind the scenes. Including uh, being the one who leaked that he had sexually harassed and assaulted his makeup artist. Uh, And her plot almost worked. Uh, Ryan's career was very much in danger. Um, When he hosted the red carpet, nobody would talk to him. And everyone tried to distance themselves from him. So just when it seemed like she had won, Ryan went to ABC executives and asked them to move the show from New York to Los Angeles. 
which pitted these two against one another again. And Kelly continued scheming uh, to get him gone. And it, it has worked. Uh, we've heard from our very reliable source that Ryan is uh, going to be announcing his departure very soon. Um, I, In order to do the segment, I actually um, asked our source uh, what she knew about his departure announcement. And here's what we know so far. It is definitely coming. Uh, it was supposed to be the first day back in the studio, um, but Ryan has kind of delayed it because he doesn't want to give the impression that uh, he's been planning his departure for a while. Uh, and she said that there may be, during the um, upcoming season of American Idol, he may take more time off than usual in order to accommodate um, people getting used to him not being around. Uh, but she does she does believe that the uh, announcement will be coming before the end of the season. Uh, Kelly Ripa has been told, and she is on board with his departure, and has once again been touting that she would prefer if Andy Cohen would uh, take his place instead of doing a whole guest co- or a, a whole new co-host search. So this time ABC is listening. Um, even before the coronavirus pandemic, she had uh, she had been proposing this, and they are seeing the potential for Andy to create reality franchises for them. Uh, as of right now, they rely very much on the Bachelor franchise, Dancing with the Stars, and American Idol. And they would like to uh, branch off of that, and they would like some docu-series like Real Housewives uh, to be launched. And they think Andy Cohen is just the man to do it. So will it work? Uh, We have to wait and see. But for right now, you don't have to see very... I can't speak. (laughs) I was trying to be clever and go to break, so that didn't work for me. So I'm just going to go to break right now, and I will be right back. And I'm back. (laughs) I don't know why that was so dramatic. Um, so, along with the view in the, in the Kelly Ripa story, arguably the biggest, the other big story that we broke, um, and had been hammering home for, goodness, uh, almost all of season three, uh, if not the entire, entirety of season three was that, um, ABC is looking to return 
uh, to the soap business. Now, I know you're going to say, well, Ed, they still have General Hospital. Uh, And yes, they do. But they are looking to bring back all my children and one life to live. And as I told you several times over the past uh, few months, uh, their biggest challenge was figuring out where to put them. Uh, They thought about putting them on ABC in the afternoon. And they've thought about um, putting them on Hulu. Uh, And when I say putting them on Hulu, I don't mean like, you know, ABC shows automatically go over to Hulu the next day. No, what I'm talking about when when I say this is exclusively on Hulu. They also played with the idea of launching a soap-centric streaming service. And they more or less kind of were waiting because there were also rumors that a third independent party would be launching a soap uh, streamer. Uh, I can reveal to you now, um, and I know I was playing this mysterious um, for a lot of months, uh, but according to my source, Amazon was the uh, the potential contender. Uh, they had... Um, other sources had taken it to, or other sources, other production companies had taken soap operas to Netflix um, because everyone believes that they're very bingeable. Um, and in fact, the serialized format was is perfect for binging. <clears throat> uh, however, because of the model that Netflix uses, uh, it didn't make sense for them. But Amazon was very interested uh, and then the um, pandemic happened, and they kind of backed off a little bit. Uh, because soaps don't have a massive following like they really want, they're investing their money only in... Uh, they're investing their money only in shows that they believe will have a Game of Thrones-esque um, audience. However... ABC still sees great value and profits to be made in the soaps. Um, and as of right now, they are still looking to relaunch the shows. Uh, Susan Lucci has been in negotiations and was ready to sign on the dotted line. Uh, but she wanted to wait until a writer was selected. Uh, she wanted Jean Passanti to be the writer for All My Children. And ABC was actually very receptive to the idea. Uh, and I'm, according to my source right now, um, production for the newly rebooted uh, All My Children and One Life to Live uh, could be heading to us almost any day now. What will this mean? Um, the, the biggest obstacle in their way right now is figuring out scheduling. Um, ABC used to have, for their, um, stations, they used to have from 
12.30 until 4 o'clock for a lineup. However, uh, now they only have from 1 to 3 o'clock. So they would have to get these stations uh, to give them back the time slots. And this will not be a big uh, obstacle. It's just more about uh, figuring out. And my source said that uh, these shows should be a co-production between uh, Hulu and ABC. So they, meaning they would split the licensing fee and production costs. Um, and that way both companies are very profitable and have um, consistent new content to promote and utilize. Uh, the formatting of the show uh, remains a big point of mystery. Uh, one of them is, uh, according to my source, one of them is said to be typical soap format, uh, which is likely all my children, while the other may be taking on the format of an anthology or a telenovela. Meaning... Uh, these stories would have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and would likely restart every six months or so. Now, she said that this is not, <clears throat> at this point, uh, while they are far along in coming up with the ideas and um, in the creative process, nothing is set in stone, and there are there are changes being made almost daily to the um to the formatting and to what is expected abc really wants to woo ron carlovati back from days of our lives uh they feel like he was the best writer that one like to live had in the end years um, and he really saved General Hospital. He saved One Life to Live from certain cancellation um, back in 2006 or seven, before ultimately it was, um, before ultimately they did uh, cancel it um, in 2012. Um, but they, it, it was not a quality thing. It was because at the time, ABC's, uh, ABC Daytime's head, Brian Kranz, had wanted to get out of the soap business. Um, and he had actually wanted to cancel all three soaps, uh, but was told that he was not going to be able to do that. And since General Hospital fit more of what he wanted the soaps to look like, um, that was the one that was saved. So a lot of um, one of the questions I asked my source was, you know, a lot of these actors, um, David Canary, um, has passed on. Julia Barr has more or less retired. Um, Erica Slezak, uh, I think, has retired. Uh, and Robin Strasser, uh, well, she has appeared in a couple of things. She seems to have decided to. Um, retire as well. So, what what will the shows look like? 
you know, will it be filled with newbies? Um, and she said, uh, Susan Lucci has, is very interested in, uh, in reprising Eric Duquesne. Um, they reached out to Eden Regal and Elisa Minshew for All My Children to reprise their roles of Bianca and Kendall. Um, and everyone seems interested. Uh, Rebecca Buddig and Michael E. Knight both are interested in returning to Pine Valley as well. As for One Life to Live, uh, Robin Strasser has expressed an interest in returning as Dorian. Uh, and they're working with some One Life to Live veterans uh, whose names were not given to me, otherwise I would be sharing them with you. Um, but according to my source, they are working with several veteran actors to at least come back on a recurring basis. Um, and I believe, um, from the few hints that she gave me, my source was probably talking about Erica Slezak, um, at the very least... We could be, um, one of the things that I, I kind of made an offhand comment and my source kind of like chuckled at me was it would be kind of cool if the shows came back, um, on the anniversary of the premieres. And she said that's a very Disney thing to do. So there is a very much a chance that, um, the soaps will be returning on their respective premiere dates. Um, And as I know more, of course, I will pass on the information to you guys. But for right now, I have to go take a break. I'll be right back. And I'm back. Alright, so... While other talk shows like The View and... uh, Live with Kelly and Ryan were seeing their drama play out for all the world to see. There were other talk shows that had drama um, that was just as soapy and just as dramatic. Uh, But it was playing out behind the scenes. Of course, I'm talking about Jimmy Fallon. And... So throughout, uh, really the entire um, of the series, uh, 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 let me rephrase that. Throughout the entire run of Drunk Gossip, I've told you that uh, executives have not been happy with the ratings performance of Jimmy Fallon. Of uh, the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. Uh, well, at first he started out strong and uh, was really... Um, kind of a young, fresh voice and late night, the 2016 election shifted uh, the comedic sensibilities of the country, uh, including uh, the introduction of Stephen Colbert as the late show host. And once Colbert took over. The first few weeks, um, Jimmy's, Jimmy Fallon's rating stayed fairly high. 
But as the election started to shape, as the election started to shape, um, shape up the um, country and take people by surprise, uh, Colbert and his deadpan humor and the political humor started to resonate more than Jimmy's frat boy humor. And eventually Colbert just started trouncing his late night rival in the ratings. And at first it was written off as just one of those things, you know? Um, The election obviously was influencing and everyone thought, well, after the election, things will swing back. Things did not swing back. And one of the bragging points that Jimmy Fallon had always relied upon was um, even if his show wasn't a rating smash, his video clips were going viral and still making a ton of money for NBC Universal. But even that stopped. So late in uh, 2019, um, and into um, this year, 2020, we started talking about how uh, NBC execs were looking to replace uh, Jimmy Fallon with Seth Meyers being the host um, with the host being most likely to ascend to the um, to the Tonight Show's um, seat. However, um, people are starting to really um, speculate and talk about Chelsea Handler um, who's already had her own successful late night show, uh, which was E's highest, one of E's highest rated shows, uh, until she decided to walk away from the contract. Uh, they had wanted to secure her for, uh, five more years when she walked away. And while her Netflix show didn't really resonate in the same kind of way, uh, her name has come up very, very loudly um, to take over The Tonight Show when Jimmy Fallon is pushed out. So why is that? Well, obviously E! and NBC are owned by the same parent company, uh, NBC Universal. So she already has a good working relationship with most of the executives there. Uh, she has become much more political, including in her, um, including in her last comedic book, Life Will Be the Death of Me, uh, and even on her Netflix show, you kind of see her pivoting away from the fluff and more into the politics. Um, everyone is saying, don't be surprised to see her replaced, um, with, or see Jimmy Fallon replaced with her, 
And to that end, during the pandemic, Jimmy began facing uh, scandals for the use of blackface uh, and whatnot. And my source over at NBC, who has um, confirmed the my LA sources story that Chelsea Chandler could be in contention for the Tonight Show, uh, told me that the the uh, embarrassing video was released by people in NBC Universal, or, yeah, by executives from NBC Universal, in the hopes of kicking up a scandal and having a reason to break the contract early. Now, this is worthy of a season of scandal, um, if you ask me, but it gets even more complicated. Um, Jimmy and uh, returned to the show, th- returned to the Tonight Show, rather, and apologized. But even still, his ratings have continued to sink. Um, he was, uh, um, most talk shows were doing at-home versions of their show. And you just saw Colbert rise um, to a dominance that has not been seen since Conan... Uh, tried to take over for Jay Leno and Letterman kicked his ass. So this has led NBC executives to be very desperate uh, and working very, very hard to figure out how to save um, the franchise. Uh, And in the Jimmy Fallon, um, in one of the Jimmy Fallon segments, I said that Seth Meyers was the likely, uh, uh, the likely host to ascend to the seat. And that was what I was told until the Ch- Chelsea Handler thing, uh, happened. So what, uh, what changed that trajectory? Mostly... They don't want two shows in disarray. Uh, and the other part of it is they are hoping to have um, to have a woman in the um, seat at some point. <coughs> um. And who better than Chelsea Handler? When I said Rosie O'Donnell, they, my, both sources actually acknowledged that Rosie would be fantastic. Um, and she, if she could be persuaded, they would likely um, try to woo her. But she's, she is known more for daytime. Uh, and they feel like uh, nighttime, late night, is a different beast. But again, they said that, um, you know, if Rosie tossed her hat in the ring, almost every network would be anxious to land her. What will happen to Jimmy Fallon? 
right now, um, it looks like he would probably segue over to producing, um, possibly even getting back into acting. Um, like my sources said, he's still young enough um, to where he could pull off some comedic roles. Uh, he could go over to Fox. They have um, pursued him, which is actually why NBC moved him up from his show to The Tonight Show early on. Um, but now that they're letting him go, they they think that Fox could be a natural home for him. And it's only natural. I take a break. I'm, of course, going to be following the story um, as it unfolds. And I will bring you more as soon as I know anything. For right now, though, I'm taking a break. And I'll be right back. And I am back. So I was trying to find a cute little segue for... Um, um, from going from talking about talk shows and like that sort of stuff to Jake Paul and frankly I just could not figure it out um, but like like Megan McCain Jake Paul really ended up being a hot topic uh, for us during quarantine and when I say that I mean Week after week, it was something new with this dude. And I'm still trying to figure out why people are so fascinated by him. Um, And I think it's just because he is a thirst trap and a half. Um, You know, he he himself has put out a bunch of naked pictures. um, Including uh, one on Instagram with a shrimp over his dick that said if he got 3 million likes... He would start in OnlyFans. When I looked at it, I don't even think he had hit 300,000. So not even 10% of what he wanted. Um, So, and and you know, he would end up being just like, um, oh shit, what's her name? Uh, I keep wanting to say Bella Thorne. I don't think that's right. But you know who I'm talking about. The girl who started doing OnlyFans and said she was going to do um, nudes and then only, like, did laundry and really pissed off people and um, changed the way that OnlyFans does the premium content because now you used, to be char- you used to be able to charge whatever you wanted and now you're only able to charge um, up to $50, I believe. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> That was relatively interesting to me, but, um, so when we first started talking about Jake Paul, he had, um, been at a, um, protest, which devolved into rioting and looting. He claimed he was just there to cover, uh, what was happening, and yet... And then claim police brutality that they hit him with rubber bullets and whatnot. However, the police and FBI disagreed as to why he was there and formally charged him 
uh, with theft and um, being part of the riot. The FBI also raided his house and found a bunch of machine guns. And it makes you wonder, like, what the actual fuck? So, but that wouldn't be enough to warrant a spot in this episode. So, as it turned out, there is much more to Jake Paul than what we knew. Including his habit of having sex on camera with men. Yes. So, the... After those stories, my LSLRS reached out to me and told me that the police had raided Jake Paul's house uh, after a party. But we weren't really interested in that. It wasn't until he told me what happened at the party that piqued my interest. So Jake had um, invited a girl to the party and they went upstairs together with another dude girl went to the bathroom the two guys went into a bedroom and were having sex and they were caught after that segment aired our LA source was inundated with more and more and more stories of Jake Gone Wild uh, there was a um, a young man who had asked to work with Jake in order to launch his YouTube channel. And Jake agreed. They worked and ended up having an illicit affair. Uh, that came to a very nasty and abrupt end. When the young man said that he did not want to continue having sex with Jake. And that was the f- one of the first times I seen Jake Paul have sex on camera. And there were, there were plenty more. Um, there was a wife who, whose husband also had an affair with Jake Paul. Um... He and Jake were buddies, they would hang out, and their friendship turned sexual. Uh, And there were videos on um, this woman's husband's phone of Jake sucking the dude's dick. And there was no denying that this was Jake Paul. I mean, I'm sure he would want to try to deny it or is very displeased that it's out there, but yes. Uh, and the only reason why the woman hasn't released the tapes is because of revenge porn laws. Uh, and she and her husband divorced. And once once he got divorced, Jake Paul wanted nothing to do with him. Which brings us to our next guy. Um, it, everything started out very similar. Um, Jake, uh, Jake and this dude would fool around uh, and video what was happening. 
this dude was out of the closet, so th- it, this wasn't like a, some weird secret thing like the other two. Um, this dude was out of the closet. Uh, Jake would tell him that he loved him several times. Uh, there's video of Jake and him engaging in pen- penetrative sex um, with them flip-flopping positions. Uh, and there was, a, and once the young man was um, pushed for more, Jake broke up with him, or Jake ended whatever affair they were having. Then there's the topic of the young lady who uh, had started dating Jake, and she really liked him. He invited her to a party. Uh, and asked her to go up to the room, and she was kind of skeptical. Like, she wanted to have sex with him, but, you know, uh, he was also bringing up his quote-unquote best friend. And uh, once they got up to the room, Jake forced her to watch him and his best friend have sex. When she tried to leave, he threw her down and made her continue watching. Once they were finished... They got up, opened the door, and told her to leave. She ran out, um, and since Jake had been her ride, she had to hail an Uber. And one of the girls who saw her waited with her um, while, um, while the Uber got there, and she said that um, Craig Paul... Jake and Logan Paul's father taught his boys that it's not gay if there's a woman involved. Meaning if a woman was watching, if there was some sort of girlfriend, um, or something of that sort, they couldn't be considered gay because there was a woman. And while Logan seems to have um throwing that advice out the door, Jake takes it very, very seriously and makes sure that either he has a girlfriend, the other guy has a girlfriend, or there's a woman watching them have sex. And I know y'all are going to ask about the escort um, who sucked Jake Paul's dick on camera on his wedding night to Tana. We are actually working... To talk to the guy. Um, my LA source has identified him and um, really wants to dig deeper. Um, so far, the escort hasn't said much other than it wasn't a one time thing. Big shocker, right? <laughs> um, so, as soon as that story is. Uh, comes together, I will of course bring it to you. Just, I hope I don't have to watch Jake Paul have sex anymore. Because <laughs> I cannot take it. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to take a break, and I will be right back. And I am back. And just so you guys know, this is the third time I've recorded this segment. <laughs> so, and uh, the whole reason why I proposed it is because uh, when I pitched it to Will... Um, as part of the 
big review episode, I forgot that the Kardashian story um, that was kind of like on my mind had been the for the season four premiere. So um, we're still going to talk about it a little bit. Um, and hopefully no one calls and hopefully I don't flub my line again <laughs> because I'm not re-recording this. I refuse. <laughs> so, Chris Jenner uh, announced that Keeping Up with the Kardashians was coming to an end. Now, they she spun it as though the family had come together and decided that they were tired of having the cameras on them and wanted to um, kind of go away into the night. There's still one more season left on their current contract, uh, but that would be the final one. And it was all well, fine, and good, except it was also lies. See, Keeping Up with the Kardashians isn't coming to an end because they suddenly had this awesome breakthrough where they realized that they shouldn't be sharing every single moment of their private lives with an audience. No, Kris Jenner who had successfully negotiated a $100 million contract for the last um, contract cycle, went into E, even even knowing that they were in financial trouble, asking for a 25% raise. She wanted $125 million. And he said, no, we're... We're over here canceling our own productions. There's no way we're going to um, give you $125 million. We're not even making that back. Um, even with all the repeats and whatnot. Um, part of the problem is the Kardashians went from making uh, from having tens of millions of viewers to hundreds of thousands. And while... I know hundreds of thousands is still a lot. When it comes to advertisers and what they're willing to pay, you can see the stark difference. So, uh, what they did do is they did allow Chris to say that um, they decided to end the show. That the family decided to end the show rather than uh, the network themselves. However... The network had been looking for ways uh, to end the show as it was. Um, It was a big drag on their lineup. And E is undergoing a facelift right now. They're trying to find their way in the the world of entertainment. Um, And so we're going to see, like, several... Things start to happen. Um, you know, Oxygen went from like classic sitcoms to true crime. Uh, same thing with We. Um, they kind of under started undergoing a, the same kind of transformation, except um, they're leaning more into reality shows um, and pulling away more or less from uh, the sitcoms that had subsided them for so long. Um, I think with E, we're going to see more and more. Um, show business-oriented um, things, uh, and possibly even more reality shows that highlight show business. 
Um, but, um, not, the Kardashians are not really fitting that mold. Uh, and so, you know, the executive said to, said to Chris Jenner, like, we're canceling E! News, which was far more profitable for us than uh, your show. So what makes you think we're going to cancel that but give you more money? Uh, and my source at um, NBC and my LA source both said that had Chris taken into consideration the um, financial troubles and lowered her bid, there's a chance that they would have actually, NBC Universal would have tried to um, keep them on the air. Uh, but starting out with her coming in guns blazing. And asking for $125 million was not going to uh, cut the cut it there. So, um, they're said to be shopping the show or shopping some version of the show. Uh, which at this point um, doesn't seem likely to gain any traction because... Frankly, people are sick of the Kardashians. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens to their empire um, without a TV show to uh, hold them up. Uh, speaking of, Kanye West uh, is should be under Will's realm since he's a presidential candidate, or was a presidential candidate, I should say. But... Um, I got stuck with it because he's still an entertainment figure and not truly a politician. Yes, I'm still bitter about losing that argument because I really went for it. Um, But Will was able to counter me point for point, so here we are. Um, The big news with Kanye West, of course, was his announcement that he is running for president. Um... which was followed up very closely with um, stories that several states are considering filing election fraud charges against him um, on his petitions to be put on the ballots. There have been forged and faked signatures, uh, which will for sure keep him off of the ballots in most of the states um, and is putting him in a very bad light. Uh, Everywhere else. Uh, he has acknowledged that Donald Trump asked him to run to swing the black vote away from Joe Biden and help ensure four more years for him. However, um, just like with everything else that Trump t- touches, this political strategy is backfiring because... Let's be real. People are not stupid. We, we see what's happening. And uh, frankly, um, most people thought that Kanye's um, running was a joke as it was. So. Um, and he didn't help himself either, by the way, when he told an audience that he wasn't really running for president. It was he was using it to promote his new album. But the album has never been released. Um, it, it's still out there in the ether somewhere. 
Uh, so, no one's really quite sure what that's all about. However, Kanye did spill some piping hot tea and gave us some really fun stuff to, fun gossip to chew on, I should say. When he um, said that Chris Jenner was not allowed any, she was not allowed to be around any of the grandkids without one of the parents being present. He never got into specifics, but my LA source said uh, that she likes to push the fame and has been trying to get her daughters uh, to push their kids to be uh, more photogenic. Uh, and to basically give up their privacy um, as fast as possible so that there's a new generation of Kardashians to destroy our faith in humanity. <laughs> Connie and Kim's marriage, Kim Kardashian's marriage, has also been very much in trouble. Uh, with Kim allegedly wanting to put Kanye in a fifty-one fifty hold, which is which led to him spilling the aforementioned tea. It's also said that she wants to get her hands on his fortune uh, and transfer as much as of it as much of it as she possibly can into her bank accounts before going for the divorce. Because if she divorces him, she does not believe that she will uh, get half of everything. Uh, there are some pre- very strong prenups in place to protect both parties. And while she will get child support for the children, uh, she's not entitled to spousal support or anything else. Uh, she was trying to use this opportunity to enrich herself. And the plan has backfired thus far. But for all those who were praising her for talking about her husband's mental health, this was not something that she was doing out of the kindness of her heart. Rather, she was doing it because she wanted to uh, steal his money. She doesn't care about him, which was reiterated by several sources um, over uh, over the course of the last few weeks, um, specifically um, leading into the season four premiere. Um, you, most of my sources all said it is common knowledge that she married him because she thought she was going to get rich fast um, and get a ton of good publicity ton of good publicity uh, from having a Grammy winner husband. When that didn't happen, uh, that's when the marriage started to go sour. (sighs) Alright. That is going to do it for me uh, for this episode. Once again, four seasons in, and I am just so, so grateful to all of you for listening. Um, And I know Will is too. Um, And you know, while Will and I can't be recording together, just know that we love one another um, very much, and uh, we love all of you guys. Uh, and um, I just feel compelled to say, when I say we love one another, obviously I mean as as friends. Um, and we are um, we're we're just a badass team together. <laughs> I'm the flighty one, and he apparently is the grounded one. Who knew? <laughs> Anyways. 
Um, thank you all so much for listening, as always. And until we talk again, cheers. Politalk with Will is up next. Surprise, listeners. I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me, huh? Well, unfortunately for you, I am still here. Which means you're going to spend the last segment of this fun gossip podcast listening to the latest absolutely unhinged political happenings that have captured the nation's attention this week. And what a week it has been. Folks, it has kind of been the week from hell here, honestly. Which is a real achievement with how 2020 has gone so far. The massive wildfires in California, some of which were sparked by a pyrotechnics device at a gender reveal party, have continued to spread more or less unabated. The coronavirus continues to claim more victims, and the U.S. death toll passed 200,000 this week. And finally, Tropical Storm Beta, the sixth major storm to threaten the Gulf Coast this year, is tracking through the northwest Gulf of Mexico and looks to make landfall on Texas coast on Monday, or possibly Monday night like the other five hurricanes and tropical storms before it that have hit the region. It brings threats of major flooding and rainfall. Beta, thankfully, is not projected to rapidly intensify and become a hurricane, as Hurricane Laura did earlier this year. But it is projected to dump around 6 to 12 inches of rain in Louisiana and Texas. Now, we are unfortunately on to the big story of the night, one which I really wish I didn't have to cover, or didn't have to talk about at all. Friday night, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg died of complications from pancreatic cancer. Ginsburg was the most senior member and also the most renowned member of the court's liberal wing. Since she was appointed in 1993 by Bill Clinton, she has been a pretty consistent progressive vote, and as such has become a fairly revered figure in the progressive community. Her death has more or less immediately set off a legal battle over the next Supreme Court appointment. Despite his stance in 2016 that the Republican, that, uh, that Barack Obama's nominee, Merrick Garland, should not receive a hearing until after the election, Mitch McConnell has stated that President Trump's nominee will receive a vote on the floor of the United States Senate. McConnell and a number of other senators, such as Lindsey Graham, have claimed that they're not being hypocrites because they meant they meant in 2016 that the Senate should only delay a nomination until after the election if the Senate and the president were of different parties, or which is to say that different parties control the White House or the Senate. However, Given that I can find absolutely no indication in their statements in 2016 that this was the case, I think this is a pretty clear example of moving the goalposts in order to justify something that's politically convenient for you. Although at this point, who's really surprised by Mitch McConnell's hypocrisy? Lindsey Graham at least attempted to claim his position had changed because of changing circumstances. He told reporters that the Kavanaugh fight had really changed the nomination process for him, and really changed his opinions on it. For the record, the Kavanaugh fight included a fairly credible allegation of sexual assault against the nominee, 
and a complete tantrum slash breakdown on the floor of the Senate by Kavanaugh himself. A breakdown which, in this host's opinion, should have disqualified him for a position as an Arby's waiter. But that is neither here nor there. Anyway, it's unclear as of this moment whether Mitch McConnell has the votes to actually bring Trump's nominee forward. Senators Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins have both stated that they won't vote on a new justice until after the election. And a number of other traditionally on-the-fence senators, such as Mitt Romney and Cory Gardner, have not stated their positions on the matter. As the Republicans control 53 seats in the Senate, they need 50 votes to bring a nominee to appoint a nominee, as President, Vice President Mike Pence can cast a tiebreaker, a tie-breaking vote. So with Susan Collins and Murkowski defected, they can only afford two, one more loss. Two more would make it impossible for them to push through a nominee. I personally hope this happens. Trump's list of nominees is bad. And it grows worse every time he releases an updated version. Trump has claimed he plans to appoint a woman to fill the seat, which has led many to speculate that extreme right-wing conservative justice Amy Coney Barrett, who was on the shortlist for Kavanaugh's seat, will be the one he eventually nominates to fill the role. However, he's also tossed around such uh, illustrious names as John Cornyn and Ted Cruz, both of whom are near certain to destroy the Supreme Court's image as a nonpartisan institution. As frankly, not even Mitch McConnell is as big a partisan hack as Ted Cruz. Several days before her death, Ruth Bader Ginsburg told her granddaughter Clara Spera that her most fervent wish was that she would not be replaced until a new president is installed. I can't say for sure how things are going to turn out, but I very much hope she gets her wish. I think it would be pretty bad for the health of this country if she didn't, to be honest. And moving slightly on from that depressing note onto a equal, somewhat equally depressing note, a, ser- a group of independent journalists have, well, may have come across evidence of fairly vast corruption in the financial industry. On Sunday, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists revealed that they'd received documents detailing more than 2,000 suspicious activity reports filed with the U.S. Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, potentially detailing up to a trillion dollars of corrupt transactions that went through the financial system. Journalists from BuzzFeed News initially found the documents and shared them with the consortium. And stories to that effect have also been published in The Guardian and a number of other papers. We'll be following this story this week, obviously. Corruption is, well, it's a personal favorite topic of mine. As you've probably guessed from the glee which I covered the Burr case back in March. So in our next Politalk session, this will be one of the things, this will be one of the big stories that hopefully I have more information for you on. Anyway, that's all for tonight. Thank you all for for tuning in. And hopefully... I will see you all next week. Cheers.